It's Genesis chapter 4 and starting at verse 17. And this is what happened after Cain killed his brother Abel. Cain lay with his wife and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city and he named it after his son Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad and Irad was the father of Mehujael and Mehujael was the father of Methushael and Methushael was the father of Lamech. Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who lived in tents and raised livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp and flute. Zillah also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. Tubal Cain's sister was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I've killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. Adam lay with his wife again and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in place of Abel since Cain killed him. Seth also had a son and he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Thank you so much, Jackie. Um, please do keep that passage open in front of you. Um, just a reminder, if you have got um, crush-age children and uh, you're feeling like you need a little bit more space with them than you have in here, um, don't forget the crush is running all the way um, through the service behind, and there's also a live stream happening in the, in the room beyond if you want to follow the sermon in there. Um, uh, I'm going to pray for us. Let me lead us in prayer. Our gracious God and Father, we come before you and your word this morning. We, we recognize that what we are looking at here are not just words on a page, but your living, active word. Our Father, would you give us humble and contrite hearts that tremble at your word, that hear the truth of it, that see the encouragement of it, that lead us to the Lord Jesus and to deeper faith in him, we pray. Amen. This has no place in civilized society. That was said about uh, the overcrowding in University Hospital Limerick. Or this one, not acceptable in civilized society. This time talking about the fact that armed guards were patrolling the streets of a local town because of the gang feuding 
that was going on. Or this one. What happened to civilized debate? Talking about an incident where uh, two TDs, um, the, the junior uh, minister Anne Rabbit for Fianna Fáil and the Fianna Gael TD Kieran Cannon, had human feces thrown at them. Actually, I'm not sure it was human. <laughs> we pride ourselves on the fact that we are living in a civilized society. You know, that we have co-ed schools, that we've got modern medicine, that we can attract big business like Google, that we can produce great art and culture and, and even film. So the amount of nominations for the BAFTAs that the Irish um, filmmakers have received this week. And we think, well, creating civilized society, isn't that the answer to our problems? And what happens when things aren't how we expect? Well, we're surprised, we're shocked when things happen that are less than civilized. What about this one? It's horrific. No place in civilized society. This quote was about sex abuse that was happening over a 15-year period here in Ireland. How can this be? How come life and society, it's such a mix of, of the good and the bad, of, of wonder and woe? It seems our, our culture is, well, more ambiguous than we'd like to admit. Returning here to Genesis, the Genesis series this morning, and here at the end of chapter 4, what we have is the account, if you like, of the first civilization. What's it like? If you're a pessimist, you probably think it's better than today. If you're an optimist, you probably think it's worse. Well, actually, what we find is just similar. The same kind of mix, the same kind of ambiguity. This morning, we're going to have a look at this. Why is it like this? And where is there hope then in our ambiguous, mixed up, broken world? But first, I want to just take you back, just to remind you of some of what we looked at last term, because it wasn't a mix in the beginning, do you remember? Do you remember in the beginning, well, God was there, perfectly satisfied in loving relationship, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit for all eternity, and then He spoke. And ex nihilo, do you remember what that meant? Anyone help us? Out of nothing, out of nothing, he created the world. In all its beauty and complexity and, and you know, the, the rolling waves of the ocean, the flash of green as a kingfisher flies past. And we saw just the creative genius of God. And then he made mankind and he said to mankind, you are in my image, and you are to rule, subdue, fill the earth, order it, and reflect me. So that people look at mankind and say, wow, what a great, loving, powerful God they must have. And in the beginning, it was paradise. Souls at rest, enjoying God's perfect world and relationship with God. Until we got to chapter 3, and do you remember what we saw? Helped along by Satan, Adam and Eve, and us on repeat ever since, 
Well, I've doubted God, disobeyed him. His loving warning not to go our own way. Saying, he said to us, you know, trust me, this will not go well with you. And yet we decided we knew better. And we chose to do life without him. And we've been experiencing the consequences ever since. Pain, toil, heartache, separation, death. Whoa. But, but God wasn't done with mankind. Do you remember? Do you remember the promise? In fact, have a look at it with me. Chapter 3 and verse 15. That even as mankind disobeyed, there was a promise God would send a rescuer. He said to the, to the serpent, to the devil, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. He will destroy you. And you will strike his heel. Here's the promise. One of Eve's offspring would defeat the devil, evil, sin, and put everything right. And so at the end of chapter 3, we're left asking the question, well, who is this one? And chapter 4, verse 1, we get this. Adam lay with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. And we go, is Cain the one? But if you remember, before Christmas, we saw no. As Cain killed his brother Abel, and we saw what happens when you let sin master us, run free. And so as we pick it up again this morning, we're asking, you know, is this the end? What is God going to do? Is there any hope? And we get to chapter 4, verse 17, 3 to 26, and doesn't it feel like a bit of an anticlimax? You know, there's no great Savior. God's hardly mentioned. There's a few births. There's a bit of building. Here is the new normal. The new normal. What life? was like after sin entered the world. And what's it like? Well, it's a mix. As society becomes civilized, do things get better? Well, actually, it's ambiguous. Um, my uncle and aunt lived uh, in Scotland in a place called Lanarkshire. And a while back there, in one of the towns in Lanarkshire, they had an E. coli, e. coli outbreak. And so some of the food was really dangerous to eat. And unfortunately, the butcher at the time had a, a notice in their shop window that was ambiguous. It, it said this, try our meat pies. You'll never get better. <laughs> Do you like that one? It's ambiguous, isn't it? What about our culture? Is it good? Will it ever get better? Here's the first thing we're going to look at. God's, sorry, civilization and God's kindness. Civilization and God's kindness. Uh, theologians use the term common grace to talk about how in the Bible God shows kindness to all people, whether they acknowledge Him or not. And it's that kind of kindness we see here as normal life continues. Here's the first thing we see, filling Look again at verse 17. Cain lay with his wife, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. Cain was then building a city, and he named it after his son Enoch. Cain and his wife have a son. 
and he's called Enoch, and then Enoch has a son called Erad, and then Erad has a son called, yeah, and those other ones, and the population increases, and civilization starts. He starts building a city. Now, some of us maybe reading this are asking a few questions at this point. We're going, well, you know, if if you're saying that the Bible says all mankind came from Adam and Eve, I mean, where did Cain's wife come from? And, and where did all the people come from to make this city? Um, the short answer is, well, the text doesn't say, and the Bible doesn't tell us all we want to know, just what we need to know. But let me give you a possible couple of answers. So Cain's wife, it, it's clear as you read in f- further on in Genesis, that Adam and Eve have uh, sons and daughters. And it may be that God allowed marriage between siblings right at this early point in history. What about the city? Actually, the, the word city here meant any kind of permanent settlement that just had some protection, walls, physical protection. So we're not to think uh, Cork or Dublin. Is this city building positive? Again, I think it's ambiguous. We get to chapter 11 in Genesis, it's clear that Babel is not a good city. We get to Revelation, we, we see that God is creating a new city, the new Jerusalem. What about this one? Well, it's ambiguous. What is positive? Filling the earth. Do you remember back in chapter 1, verse 28, God had said to mankind, be fruitful, fill the earth. And despite mankind's sin, this is happening. Even though mankind, we've rejected the source of life, and we don't deserve life, life continues. More than that, well, every time you meet someone from a different part of the world, it's a reminder that God has allowed us to fill the earth. Every time we hear a birth announcement, it's a sign of God's continued kindness to our world. Filling. Two more ways we see God's general kindness as life continues is in ruling and reflecting. I wonder what you wanted to be when you were a child. Can you remember that? Maybe you're a... a, Uh, a teen or a little bit later on, you're having to think about options to study that's going to affect your career. What, What will you be? Well, look at what this first civilization gets up to because there were roles, different career options, right at the beginning. Verse 17, we've already seen there's, there's building, construction, probably town planning, architecture. Verse 20, Ada gave birth to Jabal. He was the father of those who live in tents and raise livestock, the beginning of agriculture, ruling over the livestock. Verse 21, his brother's name was Jubal. He was the father of all who play the harp and flute. Here's music, the arts. What are you listening to at the moment on Spotify or on the gramophone? Um, He listened to Lewis Capaldi or Vivaldi. He listening to the song Lady Madonna. Or the singer Lady Gaga? It all started here. Verse 22. Zilla also had a son, Tubal Cain, who forged all kinds of tools out of bronze and iron. 
inventions, manufacturing, industry. See, even though humans are sinful, God's common grace, His kindness, is seen. Because these human beings are made in the image of God, and so they still reflect God to a degree. They're still given gifts, still able to subdue and rule and order and take care of the earth. And whether we realize it or not, every time we take something, so maybe for you it's some sort of flour and eggs, or or it's uh, some strategy and figures and facts, and you try and put some order on it, and you produce something, well, we are ruling and reflecting our Creator. Um, I met a guy uh, a week or two back um, called Matthew, and um, I said, you know, Matthew, what, what, like, what do you do? And he said, well, I create these tubes. I'm sort of designing these tubes that they, they put into your leg all the way up through your heart, up to your brain, so that they can do surgery on your brain. I was just like, wow, that's just extraordinary, isn't it? But actually, that should also make us wonder at the God who, who gave Matthew these abilities. God's creativity reflected in Matthew and in us. Do you know when you see the Mona Lisa or or a Marvel film or New York skyscrapers or just the the length and extent of the conservation in Dublin Zoo, it should make us wonder. But so, so notice this, not everything in our world is bad or sinful. In fact, we should praise God for the things that we enjoy and we benefit from. So a a health service, Irish music, an iPhone, whatever it is, all because of God's common grace, His kindness. But there's ambiguity because not everything is good or God-honoring. Here's the second thing we're going to see. Civilization and human sin. Even here in these verses we've been looking at, you know, take tools. Tools can be used maybe in a hospital setting to, to save someone's life, and yet those inventions, tools, might be the ones who put them in hospital. Or, or music. Music used to praise and bring glory to God or to demean God and to promote sin. Just because a country is more civilized, developed, doesn't mean it's more God-honoring. In fact, sometimes as civilization develops, like here in chapter 4, so does sin. If we think, uh, you know, maybe Cain's family are creating a better world, well, then we focus in on one of his ancestors, Lamech. And what we see here in this new normal is that some things clearly are not good. Verse 19, Lamech married two women, one named Ada and the other Zillah. Polygamy. Can you remember back in Genesis chapter 2, 24, where it talks about marriage? The original plan was one man and one woman. That was the original design. But Lamech, he thinks he knows better. Now, if you know the Bible at all, maybe you're sitting there saying, you know, isn't there loads of polygamy in the Bible? How can you say that there needs to be 
monogamous relationship. And you're absolutely right. There is loads of polygamy, but it doesn't mean it's endorsed. Yes, later it's reluctantly accepted, even regulated in the Old Testament, but it's not how it was meant to be. It's not God's way. It's not God's best. And actually, take time through Genesis, and you'll see at every turn where there are multiple partners, it causes pain and heartache and disaster and oppression to women who are treated poorly because of this. We see this sin. Secondly, vengeance. Verse 23, Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, listen to me. Wives of Lamech, hear my words. I killed a man for wounding me, a young man for injuring me. If Cain is avenged seven times, then Lamech 77 times. I mean, it's extreme. It's violent. He says, you know, a, a young lad scratched me, so I took his head off. Literally. I wonder when you picture Lamech, what sort of comes into your mind? Is it sort of a primitive barbarian? A sort of white supremacist, a brainwashed jihadi? Uh, do you think if only he had been part of a civilized society, if only he'd been educated? Do you know what verse 23 and 24 are? They're a poem. To tell his wives how great he is. This is a cultured man on the outside. But the problem is that sin isn't just on the outside. It's not just out there in society. It is in here, in my heart. And I think, you know, I'd never be like Lamech because I've never hit anyone like that. Miriam and I were in the kitchen a few years back and having an argument, and I was angry. And she went to walk out of the room, and I went to grab her, and I hurt her. And she was shocked because she'd never experienced that from me before, and so was I. I didn't know I had that in me. And yet, we need to realize how easy it is, how close we are to overstep the mark. Particularly how anger can lead to worse. See, when did you last feel that you were 100% right and they're just wrong and you are angry? And well, it led you to very particular thoughts in your head. Actually, it led you to go and say that stuff to that other person about them. In fact, it led you to, to hurt the person themselves with your words. Or maybe even your hands. Lamech's heart here is full of hate, of anger, of self-righteousness. He says, what, look, verse 24, you know, Cain, God said he, he'd get seven times vengeance. I deserve 77. There's just endless anger. Now, Lamech here could have been boasting to his two wives, but someone in the church here um, just pointed out this week that this could be coercive control. So, so a husband 
sort of using this to threaten and control his wives. And I, I think that is a possibility here. We're not sure for definite, but it must have been terrifying for Ada and Zilla to think about what Lamech did and what he would do if they stepped out of line. Can I say to you, if you're in a situation where you are physically or emotionally controlled or threatened at the moment, maybe not free to spend your own money, to leave the house when you want to, to, to wear what you want, or you're afraid of physical abuse, it is not okay. It is not okay. Please tell someone and ask for help. And if you are abusing, well, repent and seek help. Like our civilized society, this first civilization is a mix, isn't it? There's real ambiguity, good and bad, just like our culture today. Much to wonder at and much to despair at, evil. Whoa. And we need to realize that no amount of civilizing is going to fix the deep problems of this world. Not education, or the arts, or medical advances, or politics. God's common grace will not save. So what do we do? Do we give up? Well, God has not given up. And here's the third thing we're going to see. Civilization and God's promise. Look with me, verse 25. Adam lay with his wife again, and she gave birth to a son and named him Seth, saying, God has granted me another child in the place of Abel, since Cain killed him. God here mentioned first time in this section, and it seems that Eve has remembered that promise back in chapter 3, verse 15. Because actually, this word that's translated child for us would be better translated seed or offspring. God has granted me another offspring. And so we go, is this the promised one? Is Seth the one? Well, no, verse 26, well, Seth also had a son. And he named him Enosh. At that time, men began to call on the name of the Lord. Is Enosh the one? Well, maybe. There's certainly a glimmer of hope again, isn't there? People begin to relate to God again. Actually, isn't it just amazing that it's still possible to relate to God despite all that has happened? How is that possible? Well, because what theologians call special grace, it is God's love for sinners. Because there is a promise and a plan to put all things right. Yes, not actually through Enosh, but through his descendants. Turn with me to Luke chapter 3 and verse 23. A page number up here. Yeah, page 1030. So here's Luke, 
the writer laying out Jesus' ancestry. So verse 23, chapter 3, he says, Now Jesus himself was about 30 years old when he began his ministry. He was the son, so it was the of Joseph, the son of Heli. And then it goes on all the way through to verse 38. The son of Enosh, the son of Seth, the son of Adam, the son of God. Here is Adam and Eve's offspring. And when Jesus came, he wasn't a mix. He wasn't an ambiguity. So one of his best friends said about him, he never did anything wrong ever. And yet what did civilized society do to him? Despised him. Falsely tried him. Unjustly executed him. And yet when Jesus came, he came not with vengeance, not with endless anger, although that's what our world deserves, but with endless love to forgive, to create a new society of forgiven people who increasingly live God's way. Jesus has asked at one point in his ministry, should I forgive someone seven times? His answer, no, 77 times. We as his followers should overflow with the forgiveness that we see in Jesus because that is how he has treated us. If we've trusted in him, we are God's new civilization who one day will fill a perfect world. Ireland, a civilized society, us, civilized? Well, if you're honest, there's real ambiguity, isn't there? There's some things we're proud of we wonder at, and other things that are so bad we don't even want to admit. The only hope this love of God, this promised Savior, this endless forgiveness and kindness. Let me lead us in prayer.